Well, hello, everybody. This is Tim Green with Rattle Magazine. Welcome to Rattlecast number 91. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, before we begin, I should say that Rattle is a publication of the Rattle Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit working to promote the practice of poetry. We've been in continuous publication since 1995 and are unaffiliated with any other organization. We just do this because we think hanging out with a poet every Tuesday night is a lot of fun, and we know you do too, so please do click the like button and share. Make sure you're subscribed. If you're watching this later on iTunes, give us a review. Make sure you're following us on Facebook. Make sure you're uh, hitting the bell and stuff on YouTube. Wherever you're watching this or something you can do, please do it now. Um, now, today's guest, like I mentioned, is Tanya Kohong. Um, she appeared in two issues of Rattle, and her most recent book is The War Still Within, Poems of the Korean Diaspora. Um, Tanya Kohong is a poet, translator, and cultural curator who champions bilingual poetry and poets. Born and raised in South Korea, she immigrated to the United States at the age of 18. She's the author of four books of poems, including this most recent one, and is the recipient of the Yoon Doonju Korean American Literature Award. Tanya has an MFA from Antioch University and is a PhD student in mythical studies at Pacifica Graduate Institute. She lives in Southern California with her husband and three children. And uh, here she is, Tanya Kohong. Hello, Tanya. How are you doing today? Hi, how are you? I'm doing really, really good. Yeah, I'm doing great. And it's great to see you. Um, you know, we met uh, for the first time at a writer's retreat. Um, yes. And it was, that was just one of the greatest experiences. It was so fun oh to be in Spain there. And, Mallorca. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is. But it's so great to see you again. I haven't uh, seen you that often since then. Um, yeah. Do you want to start out with a poem? Oh, yes. So I think I'm going to be honored to read the poem that Dear Yobo, which is like a publishing letter 46, uh, winter 2014, and team that... Um, you uh, recorded and then played that um, dear Yobo. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I could hear trembling voice. And then I was nervous and it was like amazing. But I thought that was so cute too. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, that's funny. That's so um, interesting. So I'm gonna I would have thought And then it's going to be in the book page mm -hmm. um, 37. Okay. Dear Yobo, when you say ramen, then I am ramen. When you say tea, I am tea. When you take off your clothes, I take off my clothes. If I could leave my senses, I could be no trouble. You don't give food to the fish if caught. You no longer need to hold me. Please drink your tea. And the yobo is a Korean term in um, darling and honey. And so that is I wanted to share with you first. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a, a very moving, very simple poem and, and emblematic, I think, of your style, which is very simple and straightforward and sort of sparsely cut down to the heart of the story. Do you want to explain a little bit about, about what the book is about, The War Still Within? Um, there's, of course, the, huge, uh -huh. the big section in the middle talking about comfort women. Um, and, and, and in general, it's about sort of women's experiences through the Korean diaspora. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, the, would you share like the, um, the picture that I sent on the share? Like yes, the Hakyung uh, Shim? This yeah, so picture? this is the cover, and then that's a cropped version of this picture, which I'll put up yes. uh, right now. So I think, like, this cover book, like, when people pick up this book, and then they will say, like, oh, what is that? 
and that is actually for comfort women. Um, there during World War Two, there was like a two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand um, women. Um, they're like a slave force to the um, World War Two to sex slaver, and um, they're silent. They've been silent for so many years. And for the first time, 1991, Hak Kim came announced and then she said, I was the comfort woman. The reason she did it is because um, Japanese were keep saying, no, there's, we, we didn't force them to come to the sexual slavery. They came themselves and to make money and then all that kind of stuff. And then for the first time, Hak Kim came and then say, no, um, it wasn't voluntary. A lot of times that was forced. And then um, the reason I wrote the poem was that when I was in MFA, um, I didn't even know about the comfort women. And then somehow I was to start like um, writing women poems, like looking for, I was studying and then um, what is women poets like, artists like, especially for um, Korean artists. And then I was digging to more deep and then like studying about the women artists from Korea. And then somehow I found about this article and then I wasn't even able to sleep. And then I just couldn't see all these pictures that got um, there. And then so I was like, oh my goodness, what I can do? It was just like a really disrupting emotionally and historically that I was ashamed that I didn't know about it. And then I didn't do anything about it. And um, it took me a long time to um, even talking to myself, am I allowed to write this poem? Because I feel like I don't know how to write this poem and then like, if am I going to honor them to write this poem? So then I research and then I read a lot of interviews and then I'll find more sources. And then what I wanted to do is that um, I wanted to give them a voice. And the reason um, the Haxon Kim and then other women couldn't say that I was come from women, it is like suppress of the cultural background. Women not supposed to be um, get that happen. And then even though that happened, they use you be silent. Sharing and opening up all that um, information um, whether they get support, a lot of times they don't get support for that. So they knew the culturally. So I wanted to um, show in my poem to share how they maybe felt during all this time. Even they left, like lived like 50, 40 years. If some people get married, they don't even share that uh, pain with so their family. And also a lot of people, they didn't even married. And um, it was just like an honor to write that poem and then sh share. 
And then um, after I share this poem, this poem, and then like so many my other friends say thank you for like writing this poem because they didn't even know about the comfort women. And I think this is like um, very important, not just like for comfort women, but like for women who couldn't speak their experience and then all that what was going through happened to their lives. So um, that's very important. So that's why like we choose to put this cover page with the comfort women. So long <laughs> explanation for yeah. <laughs> No, it's just such a, just a shocking story. And, and two, just reading the Wikipedia page about it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know how, um, how, how, common it is that people know about this or not because i you know i've known you you were writing about this uh, when we first met i think and um and so it's been something that i've known about since then for maybe you know eight years or however long ago that is mm -hmm. but um i was sort of surprised at how few it's the kind of thing that that would be like should be in novels and movies and and you know historical accounts um, and there's really not that much about it and it's just it's just shocking to to read even just you know this book or just the Wikipedia page and learn about how um, you know, the women were treated and, and the the explanation was it was to prevent rape during war so we had to have these comfort stations um, and and they would recruit women uh, to um, you know, they would tell them that they were going to get an education or have a job here as a, as a waitress or something, and then they would end up being stuck in these places um, and really yeah. being sex slaves uh, for the for the Japanese Imperial Army. And um, and there's so little known. You know, even the numbers are so. We're not even sure how many were there. I mean, you know, estimates range a huge a huge variation. It's just it's just such a, a fascinating topic. Um, how was it that you found out about it? Was there um, was there some something because, that brought it to your um, awareness? I was like finding out that because I was like actually um, um, the GI when uh, Korean, I mean American um, GI came to the Korea, and there was the part like they call you know GI you know girlfriends and you know um, or like you know helping. Uh, GI, the, you know, stations or whatever. So I actually grew up in Seoksudong. It's like the town that like we had the army, the American army. So that I was, I was like a little, but like I was to see that, you know, the women was like, you know, with the GIs and then I saw that how they get treated by Korean people and, um, you know, like just seeing that part, and then I thought, hmm. So I was like, actually, in this book, there's like a poem about the Yang Gongju. They call like you know Yang Gongju. They call Yang Gongju. So that um, I was like wrote about that poem, and then while well, I was like searching, and that was like a follow to come from women. And I at the time I really absolutely didn't know about the come from women. And then, um, yes, actually, we think like there's a lot of people knows about comfort women, but actually, I find out that not many people knows about it. And just recently, the Harvard professor Remji say that comfort women is the process. So that was like 
big issues, arguments, and then you know all that kind of stuff is came out. So actually, I'm gonna speak more about these issues later on. But then, um, exactly. And now, 1991, it's like about 258 women came forward, and then they said, um, "Where the come from, women?" Um, that was 1991, and then when I was start writing. Team, you remember, like um, about fifty some women was surviving, and then now I think less than twenty mm. uh, comfort women is surviving, and then they're very not, you know, healthy. And then I think, um, really, I feel um, they deserve the apology. You know, at least that's what it's very important for them to hear. Yeah. And then go peace with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read a few more poems? Yes. So since like um, we don't know, but like I think like since we talked about it, and then maybe um, some portion that I'm gonna read about comfort woman that because um, comfort woman is page seventeen in this book. Do you want me to just read a whole session, or yeah, do you think that yeah. that's too much? No, I think that'd be good if you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, since we talked about a lot about these issues, like because I wanted to explain what was the setting. Um, the setting as like Hakusun Kim is like she, it's like she came like nineteen ninety one, and it's like this thing. Like I felt like it's so heart heartbreak. The reason is I know they live alone. And they don't talk about their lives with other people. Mm-hmm. And it's the part like I wanted to share, like the nurumbap is like the kind of things like they, the burnt rice and they're eating alone. Why? Because they don't feel like they're worth it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I wanted to give them. You are worth, you know. So I think I'm going to just start and reading it. Thank you for giving this time. I think this is going to be really important. 1991, Seoul, South Korea. So it's in page 18. The voice of TV is comforting, like having a person beside me, talking all the time while I eat my burnt rice grill, suddenly in Japanese. But we didn't. Those women came to us. For the money, we never forced. I dropped my spoon into my nurumbap. On the screen, a photograph of young girls sit in open truck, like the one I rode with the Sunja over the rice field road years ago. 3 a.m., walking in a cold sweat, I glove jariki, barka, barka. But my throat still burns. I reach for cigarette and white smoke spirals. Like a Sunja wandering soul, they call me Uyambu, a comfort woman, but I had a name. 1939, Jinju, South, Gyeongsan Province. We are going to Sanambari, right? No, Jongshinde, Women's Labor Corps. Same thing, right? Earn money, become new women, come back home soon. Holding tiny hands, fingertips, bungsunga, blossom flower red, 
colored by summer's end. Ripening persimmons bending over the choga roofs fade into distance. When the truck crosses the last hill, leaving our hometown in the dust, Sunja kicks off her white shoes. 1991, the autumn, autumn night, Japanese soldiers whittling swords dragged me away. I was gathering pine needles that fell from my basket, filling the air with a scent on their white blood. When you scream in your dreams, there's no sound. On the maru, grandma's making songpyeon, asking mom, is it water boiling? Will she bring pine needles before? My eyeballs fall out. I feel pain there. They put a long stick between my legs. Open up, open, baka josenjin. They rage, spraying their sperm. The smell of a burning dog, burning life. Panting, grunting on top of me. Under my blood, I am dying. 1943, Shanghai, China. One night, a soldier asked all the girls, who can do 100 men? I raised my hand, Sunja did not. The soldiers put her in boiling water alive and fed us. What is living? Is Sunja living in me? 1946, Jinju, Korea. One year after liberation, I came home, short hair, not wearing hanbok, not speaking clearly. Mother hid me in the bedroom. At night, she took me to the well and washed me. Scars sealed with hot steel, like a burnt bark, like roots of old trees all over my body. Under the crescent glow, she smiled when she washed me. My baby, your skin is like white jade. Dazzling, she beat her lower lip, washing my belly softly. But they had a rip open my womb with a baby inside. Mother made white rice and seaweed soup, put my favorite white fish on top. But mother, I can't eat flesh. The night in the granary, she hanged herself, left a little bag in my room my dowry with a rice ball. Father threw it at me, waved his hand towards the door. I left at dusk, 30 years, 40 years, forever. Mute, mute, mute. Bury it with me. They call me Uyambu. I had a name. Nineteen ninety one, three AM. The night, the thousand blue stars became white butterflies <coughs> through whipped rice paper and flew into my room. One, one hundred. 1,000 butterflies, endless white butterflies going through 
the web in my mouth into my unhealed red scars, stitching one by one, butterflies lifting me, heavier than dead, butterflies opening my bedroom door, heavier than shape. At dawn, I stand. And that was Comfort Women, the, the long sequence on this subject. Uh, from the War Still Within by Tanya Ko Hong, just such a powerful poem. And I, I should mention, if anybody has any uh, comments or questions for Tanya, I will pass them along. Um, I already know some interesting comments. Um, Sakai Manning says America is no different, so let's be real about the exploitation and misogyny committed against women in countries where we have historically placed troops. Yeah, um, and also the Japanese government has formally apologized, but it was parsed in a less than acceptable way. And um, yeah, and that's one thing that, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm not really, you know, I'm not well-versed in this. I just read a Wikipedia article in your book. Um, but the Japanese government apologized um, and paid, uh, I think it was $800 million in sort of reparations for, for what they did. But then the Korean government, rather than giving it out to the actual people who were victimized, um, use that money to sort of industrialize the nation. So it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know if I'm just projecting this, but it seems like um, in a way that the money, that that money was used to, you know, for, for business and making Korea the sort of industrial powerhouse that it is. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how much that's related, but it's just interesting to think about. And also, I think um, actually that um, while like the, uh, former president Bakune was there, and then um, what I understood was that um, the Japanese wanted to pay, and then they wanted to say, "So then, like we pay, and then we're not gonna apologize, but it's done." Hmm. That was like what happened, but um, so that was like I think a huge mistake. Yeah, but um, I wanted to just share a little bit part of. Um, the poem, because uh, this is like a really cultural context in it here that some people may be like, oh, okay, I don't understand. But like, that's why I wanted to thank you so much for this time, because I just really need to explain. I feel like that's my part to um, share the part is like, as I say, the first page 18, the rice grill, that is like the for a lot of um very eating simply, and then that used to be Korean women, they eat like leftover. So that is like a symbol of like how she sim like simply living there. And then that was exactly what happened. She was watching TV, the Hakusen Kim. And then on the news, the Japanese say like, oh, no, we didn't do it, you know. And then this woman came for the money, and that's why she dropped the spoon and then um went to say i am a um comfort woman and the next page like 1939 that part was that that was like a sanambari sanambari is that um they made like thousand speeches for um the soldiers so then like a symbol like that like it just like when you have like a thousand speeches inside that you get get protected so they went to there to sewing 
And Chongxinde is like one of the core of theirs. Then, like you come there and then you're working. Uh, women's club. That's the their way of the um, crew. They're like you know come from women. And also the bungsunga is like the little like the flower, beautiful flower. And then the women they put the like you know with the fingernails and all that kind of stuff. So like I just wanted to show these women are like just sweet girls and then ripping persimmon like you know koga choga ribs like the on the korean um the roofs like just beautiful with the persimmon you know and i think this was like just a really important scene sunja kicks off her white shoes means like when they commit a suicide or something that they take their shoes off um, so that wanted I wanted to share that, and then also why um, the pine needles and songpyeon. That's the part that I wanted to share with you. That was pine needle is like a songpyeon is like a Korean rice cake, and then during Chuseok, we make the rice cake, and when you steam rice cake inside, like you know the sweet um, sugar and then walnut, you know things like that inside, but then Put the pine needle and then when you steam it just smells so good so as a child myself that i go gather pine needles so like for chusa thanksgiving and so this girl went to get a get the pine needle and then she never came back and actually um that happens like according to my research 1943 that was like a happening that was happen so and also I wanted to just share how they get feel rejected and shamed by their family. That's one of the part is very hard. And also, even though it's not their fault, and they feel shame hmm. for what happened to them. And that is just so hard to share. So thank you. Yeah, well, it's just, it's a a powerful sequence in a powerful book. I mean, the the book, you know, there's a way that you you move through image in, in the sort of the sparseness of language that that really makes it strong. Um, how did you uh, become a poet? Um, you know, what did you? How long have you been writing? And and when? Um, what what drew you to poetry? And and what is your style? How do you how do you approach writing this as a poem? Um, that is just like very interesting because I think. I I remember like when I was little, even though like really, really little, I start like writing and then I'm making stories. And then even though it's just like a little, I just go sit sunsets and like I wanted to write something. And then, um, you know, I grew up in Korea and then I came to United States and I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to become a writer? Because I left the Korea. I'm not going to write in Korean. And then, oh, my goodness, I just barely speaking English. How am I going to write in English? And um, at the time, there are a lot of like movement, like, you know, immigrants is coming to, you know, United States. So there's a Korean newspaper. And then I found like this contest about the poets and um i thought this is like very well known for our society korean society but 
when I say these things, like people say, oh, really? Um, to be a poet in Korea and Korean people, you have to win the contest. You cannot just say, oh, I wrote a poem in that, you know, I'm a poet now. No, you have to win the contest or like you have to go major, like um, kind of rattle poetry <laughs> <laughs> to publish your poem, then you're a poet. Um, so when we put the name, my Korean name, Go Hyun Hae, then I am registered as a Korean poet. So I become a poet very young age, 1987. And I was like writing in Korean, only Korean. And then I start like, you know, learn English. And then my friends were saying, um, hey, you know, you're a poet. And then even my friends, like in, in college, they came to listen to me and then with all first generation, like all the Korean poets. And then they came and listened to me in Korean, but they said, okay, can you just translate it in you know English? So that's how I start translated. But then um, I translated, you know, in the book and then in Korean publishing company, they translate both Korean and English. But actually I didn't know anything about how to publish in, um, you know, our magazines and things like that. So actually um, 2014, and then when I was in MI, MI, um, um, the NTA University, that's how I start know to submit and then publish. So like, I think at the beginning of that year was the start publishing, but that thing was like, I would be writing in Korean and then it was just really, really hard to translate to English. And it was just like a very um, important process to me. So first I wrote Korean, and then that was like a different language. It's like, it's a body of language. It's like just changing so much. And then there was a point, a lot of people going through, I just like totally reject of like my Koreanness one time so that I don't eat Korean food, I don't speak Korean, and then I try to do all like writing in English. And then I think while I was doing it, like I just find out like, oh, I just really don't know who am I. And I think maybe it's a good time to read like a gap. Is that possible? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like because I think this will like help um, to show, like, you know, I, I showed to you the um, team, so like this one, mm -hmm. because I think this is like not many people experience, and then I think as an immigrant, and then I think it's just like I am um, maybe different writer because of my experience and where I came from. So um, this is actually the gap, like I think first writing in English poem that I was writing, translating, and then I said, oh, I just don't understand. So I said, I'm going to just have so much differences in me and myself. So I was writing the gap, and then I said, ooh, I can make a triangle. So then I translated, and then I said, oh, I cannot make a triangle. <laughs> 
wow. So, oh wow, it's weird, but um, I'm gonna read to you. Okay. The gap. Gap between Hyunhae and Tanya. Gap between Seoul and Los Angeles. Gap between rice and bread. Gap between kimchi and salad. Gap between my natural skin and my cover skin. Gap between my mother tongue and my second language. Gap between my inherited blood and my transferred blood. Gap, the gap, between me and other self. So I, I trying to make the triangle and then I say the gap. Hanewa Tanya, 그 사이의 gap. 서울과 로스앤젤레스, 그 사이의 gap. 밥과 빵, 그 사이의 gap. 김치와 샐러드, 그 사이의 gap. 내 살과 덧붙인 겉살, 그 사이의 gap. 모국어와 제2국어, 그 사이의 gap. 타고난 피와 수혈된 피, 그 사이의 gap. 나와 또 다른 하나의 나, 그 사이의 gap. The gap. And you came, you came to the United States when you were uh, 18. Um, mm -hmm. what, what was it like? Um, did, did you speak any English um, when you came here? Um, and and, and what, 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 what brought you here? Oh, as it just, it's not like a book. Um, I think they could read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like most people, like at the time, it was like a big movement, like 80s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, 1977, I believe, like a Korean uh, president, like, you know, Park jong got killed, right? And so there was like a rumor, like the war. And then as uh, my parents, they want us to, they want, you know, us to um, be in America. So that like, so we could say, you know, education, you know, better life. And that is the reason we came to United States, but like as a, um, even though when I was like 18, there's like, you know, we consider in America that we say like there's a dirt, but like, you know, it's not considered a dirt in Korea. And it was, we're planned to come early, but like it was delayed. We like process earlier. And so, that is another really interesting story that when I say, I thought like, oh, everybody experienced the same thing, but it's not. Even like hierarchy in Korea, when you go to school, even though like you're just one year older, then you respect your, you know, mm -hmm. orders, like just even one year. So like the grade is so important. And like now I feel like I'm anxious because talking about it because when I went to school in Korea I went to girls school not elementary but like you know junior high mm -hmm. and then I was um I went to the high school a little bit in uh, Korea but we all had to have uniforms and then so strict and then you know by your hair what grade you are oh wow so that like when you are um in Korea, they go seventh grade. Seventh grade, like just hair, this much. Eighth, like this much. Ninth, or something like that. So, like you came from this background, and then I went to high school here. Oh my goodness, that like was shocking. You know, you could put the makeup, and then you put the whatever, and then you call like a teacher, Mr. Smith. You know, whatever. Um, consider. Mr. Smith is very rude in Korea. So 
everybody, you probably know, like that so many people, some people will call you Sanseinim because you are editor of the rattle so that they respect you. So then like Sanseinim. Um, and it was just very hard for me to say Mr. Smith or like even calling teachers like that. And um, I was 18. So like I was the oldest kid in high school, right? Mm -hmm. But nobody respect me. They call <laughs> And then I said, what's going on? And then, like, you have to move the classes. And that was really tough. And then our kids are, like, you know, smoking on the corner. And then, like, you know, kissing. Oh, my goodness. Everybody that is get, like, they cannot come to school in period, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're talking back to the teacher, chewing gum and it's like a put the you know I mean that was like oh I just really cannot believe it and then so at the time actually that would be this is a good time to talk about read one poem second period I think that poem I wrote it and then when I read it like and then this is like really relevant to with a lot of immigrants and then um when my children was like younger, they thought like, oh, my mom speak English and then like a Korean, some Japanese, you know, like or Chinese, like Spanish and all that. And then later they go like, mom, do I have an uh, accent? And then I said, why? You know, just accent like you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like this is like a really good poem. Um to read page 50 second period I am called to a little dark room windowless Mrs. Ropet show me a picture book Kang I say no river she says liver I say not liver it's a river she says that's what I said river River, river, Kang, it's a Kang. She shook her head. Look at my mouth, she says. River, river, I say, then shut my mouth. Um, so you're asking me, and this is another part because then like I no little English, even though you study English in Korea, like a junior high, high, it's just different, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was reading Dante at the time and a lot of, you know, philosophy books and Goethe, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then here I am going to little room, picture room, like, and then learning how to pronounce and then it was just like a little humiliating as well at the part because I wanted to speak, you know, but mm. I can't. So one of the chemistry class that like there was a problem on the board and then like, you know, he said like who could solve the you know problem? And then I raised a hand. I thought I could do it. And then he said like, you know, of course he cannot pronounce my name at the time I was Hyun Hei. Hi, Hyunhee, you know, it's like that was my name. Mm -hmm. And oh my goodness, I wanted to explain, but I realized I I cannot explain in English. 
So um, then you become like a mute, you know, because yeah. you you thought like, oh, first beginning you say hi, how are you? That's good. But like if you wanted to go different conversation, then you kind of become. What's the point? Mm -hmm. And then a lot of immigrants they wanted to speak about it, but then the other person always say what. Um, it's very easy to say what in our like conversation, but I tell you, a lot of immigrants people they don't like the word what, hmm. including me. I mean, now I'm saying it, but like it's still like what means like behind, like so it's very hard. So I think communication and then understanding different culture, it is just so important. And then I think. Um, hearing other languages very important. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I just read at least one poem in Korean, you know, uh, yeah. to just like listen. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful when you do that. And um, that you know, Richard Westheimer asked about. Um, you know, he says, uh, Tanya captures the poetic music and sonic qualities in her English language poems. How? Seriously, how does that work in your second language? Um, and, and really, it, it is the music and the, I don't know, it just comes out in these poems. And also, it made me wonder, too, about um, what po poetry is like in Korean. Is is there a similar like like style, or what are the differences? Like, like aside from the language itself, like how the language is applied, because there is this sort of very image-based sparseness to the poems yeah. that you write. Is that is that a characteristic that's common in Korean? And and how do the how do the poems compare in the different languages? Oh yeah, it, it's just like very. Um, thank you for like that question because um, uh, first of all, um, the we are well known like a haiku, mm -hmm. but we have a shijo. So like that, we have like you know three, four, four, you know, so like that you have to like, that is like old form. And then um, we have like free form style of she, like the poems, like so she just like for like we could say, um, and then they were changed like to like a new form. So like that um, they could use it, but like she just was the one poem that like you write um, with the form. But it became uh, free form, so you could write any free poems. But that is the really important things to writing English and Korean. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to tell you, like just um, three, like just today, I felt like it's so good because uh, there were requests for like in Korea to write two Korean new poem. Mm -hmm. And so I was like locking myself and then writing that poem and how different it is mm -hmm. to write Korean poem. As you say, we cannot say directly. And then usually we don't usually don't say I, we all omit. Like so then like image basis, mm -hmm. a lot of images like in the poem mm -hmm. and um, not drag images you need to put it. So like, so in just one word, how you cannot say 
that word, but deliver. I mean, you know, yeah. we are too, but like we're just very English, very express and directly say it. But if you write in that way in Korean, um, it just become totally different poem. Um, and as like as a bilingual, and then also um, changing writing Korean, English, and then like writing both languages right now, that was just like a very um, interesting process with me, myself, mm-hmm. that um, I'm just like an experimenter with myself. And then now before, like I just, there's a part like, oh, if I have to write in Korean, then I just have to be in Korean mind. If I have to write in English, then I have to be just, um, you know, English, like trying to just write in English and then not think about it. And the process, like then, um, I'm go- we're gonna read like one poem, Do You Still Believe in Spring? And that was like a metro project. And then uh, I volunteered, like there was a full poet was like, you know, doing it and then Sujin, beautiful like artist she made all this beautiful um art mm-hmm. mitra project and i raised i said i'm gonna write in both languages i said oh my god <laughs> <laughs> why did i do it but um i feel like now if i just write one one language i feel like it's incomplete hmm. interesting that feeling because yeah. i feel like i have to I have to express in both languages. Isn't it interesting in a way? That, that really is, yeah. Are, are you going to um, translate this into Korean and publish it there? Which one? Um, the War Still Within, the whole the whole book. Is that something um, that you it's might the one, do? Like, though, some poems are like, already translated mm-hmm. in, like, in Korean, yes. But like, so then um, that is the problem. Is it like a translation or what is it? I don't know. Sometimes I I write in both at the same time, um, and well, I I think like that is another part. It's just like that. Um, I I wanted more experimental with myself as well too. And then sometimes, uh, actually, um, when this poem like the um, the comfort women, mm-hmm. I was to start writing in English, right, and then while I was going it and then I changed it to Korean because I felt like I cannot give the voice in English what they're going through. So I changed it to um, Korean. The voice got changed. But like, you know, now I got Korean version and then English version. But the original piece was I was a star with um, English and then end up with the Korean. Mm-hmm. That was. Do you want to read another poem and then we'll talk a little more? Yes. Um, what do so you want to do next? Do you think like it's a good time to like read the uh, Do You Still Believe in Spring? Or Sure, sure. Let's do that. This one? Yeah, yeah. I'll put that up. Yeah. This one is like, you know, I wanted to dedicate to like Fairfax High School students. So we had like the um, workshop with them and uh, with the, through the Zoom. And I think that was just very interesting because I just wanted to give a shout out to all these students. They are having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, I, I feel like I know because I was in high school and then I had like that feeling. And so I feel like I could connect it mm-hmm. somehow. Do you still believe in spring?
A loony bird knocks on the kitchen window. Is there still a word? Dessert school, playground, buttercup, lip gloss, unopened, cold French fries, uncertain future, hope like rotten lemon juice, unambulance silencings, red and white glitter against sidewalks. Tonight, someone dies alone. A patch of lotus, flowers exceed, fragrance, sunrise yellow, tea green, salmon pink. Though some think it dead, its seeds can germinate for thousands of years. Later, the lotus blooms, magnificent in the deepest mud. I pray this poem finds in your darkness, hands reaching through ghost light. In the remaining space of this postcard, I write, I still believe in love. 아직 봄을 믿습니까? 외로운 새가 부엌 창문을 두들긴다. 세상이 아직 존재하나? 텅빈 학교, 운동장, 듣지 않은 새 미나리 립글라스, 차가운 감자튀김, 불확실한 미래, 썩은 레몬 주스 같은 희망, 구급차 사일렌이 노래하고, 반짝이는 빨강 하얀 불빛이 인도에 반사하고, 오늘 밤 누군가 홀로 죽어간다. 지난 연꽃의 향내가 진동한다. 해같이 노란, 차잎같이 연한, 연어 같은 분홍, 우리가 죽었다고 생각하는 연꽃 씨앗은 수천 년 후에도 발화가 되고 가장 깊은 진흙 속에서 연꽃은 반듯하게 피어난다. 이 시가 어둠 속에 있는 당신에게 손을 뻗어 신비의 빛에 닿기를 기도한다. 이 엽서에 남은 공간에 나는 사랑이라고 쓴다. That was just a beautiful poem. That was You Still Believe in Spring by Tanya mm. Kohong. Um, I love the way you read, too. Um, there's a sense of um, sort of respect for each sound of each word, you know, like you, you take your time and move through it in a really beautiful way. So thank you for, for sharing that poem in, in both languages, too. Um, I wanted to ask one thing. You are um, actually, um, Sandra, you know, and says so, so beautiful and true, true gifts, Tanya's voices. Uh, yeah, there's just a beauty to these these poems because they're so, um, you know, condensed and so so powerful. Uh, I wanted to ask you about um, you're you're getting a PhD in mythology right now. Yeah, did I read that right? That that's something that you yeah. were doing before. Um, what is it? What what kind of mythology are you drawn to? And and what is your what's your focus on there? And what made you want to get a PhD in mythology? I know, but. Um... <laughs> The tell the truth, like, I mean, like, you know, now, like, I'm just like a little bit of live up absent right now mm -hmm. at this point. But um, I think like, especially um, being America, and then I think it's um, Asian is very invisible, in a way. And then our culture, and then our myth is not well known mm -hmm. and then well um, shared and also i wanted to believe i wanted to learn what mythology that i believe 
and then where it coming from mm -hmm. that I am believing in it. So actually, uh, when I study the first uh, semester quarter, that um, it was very important to study Jung's red books. It was like blew my mind. And how he spent his time going in there and then write his own mythology. And then um, the project was we have to write our own red book. So um, that was just like amazing um, stuff. And then studying all different languages. I mean, the uh, religion as well, too. And we were studying Modi too. <laughs> The time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I was like reading Modi Dick. So like um it just like it gives me so much joy to study and then understanding. And then um also I think studying by studying and then also I wanted to bring our mythology and then share it mm -hmm. as being there. I think um I believe in power of education. And then sharing is so important. So that um, that is how um, it's that it's just like amazing courses. Yes. Yeah, it's so interesting to me. I think this is uh, the 91st episode. And I don't think we've ever had a, um, a poet on who focuses on mythology like that. And um, it seems like the two are so tied together. You know, it seems like like almost poetry is like the making of mythology out of life or something like that. And so they seem really, really tied together in a way that's interesting. Um, there's a question here uh, from Sandra Yanone. Um, she says, how do you give yourself permission when you also heard the message that you shouldn't speak? Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that um, it takes courage. And then uh, even just that permission is just really, really hard. I still have to um, ask so many questions to myself. And then I think it's interesting, even when I was like writing Comfort Women, I asked so many of my friends and then other people, do you think it's okay for me to write Comfort Women? Hmm. And then Oh, gosh, there is the Asian women in this poem. Uh, it's like the traditional songs of like a Korean women's like a singing, like when you marry, like, you know, to the ears deaf, to the ears mute, you know, all that songs. Like, I feel like it's just almost like, oh, gosh, it's just like taboo that, oh, now that I'm talk, we are talking about it. Like, what was the poem that um she, the second poems that I published in Rattle? Remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The blood speaks uh, Korean in my ear. Um, the taboo 2018 spring, and then um, remember, team? I said no, I cannot read it. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah, a word that. that I cannot speak. <laughs> I was <laughs> so actually, I when said, I was rereading that, I was wondering if you would read that and, and maybe skip that word or something. <laughs> <laughs> I practice it and then I skip it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, and, and then I still cannot give permission 
a lot of times to give uh, permission to write. But um, more I am being um, brave in a way, and then also it's not just my story. Mm-hmm. When I speak my own truth, that I am helping other women or other people to tell their truth. But it is still not easy, mm-hmm. I could say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's a great answer to that and a great question, too, from Sandra. Thanks so much for, for both of you. Um, do you want to finish out? We're about out of time. Do you want to do one last poem? Oh, my goodness. Is the time? It Almost? is. It goes by fast. I know it does. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. Oh, you know what? I wanted to read this poem. And then also, okay. If you want to read two, you could read two. We're not, you know, there's no, you know, hard limit, but we're yeah. at the hour mark. Um, then maybe, like, they should try to, like, um, read their own, find the rattle. Mm-hmm. 59 and then read it there themselves yeah yeah that's good we could include okay. the link too oh i really wanted to read like a june snow like a june snow okay why, why don't you read two more you can read two more i don't think we two read more? enough poems. like a 63 yeah. 63 okay. june snow okay mm, like the june snow this is like a totally different poem than like my usual poem 4-5 North School, Manhattan. You play one fine day for me on the phone. Too much noises in your film studio. The silent sound of ambulance. The tea spills. A new pink scar. The phone disconnects. Like a heaven and earth. It could be our last conversation. The weight of love the weight of pain are the same. I lie to myself. I am fine. I am fine without you. You're here. You're there. Doesn't matter anymore. You didn't call last Friday. I pan fried 12 dozen dumplings. Baked 12 dozen chocolate cookies. All burnt the taste of our first kiss. I left you, I leave you, over and over, but I can never leave you. Your voice wraps me in sable, in raindrops, in fire, I fall asleep on the tile. You calling my name, words could feel from the satellite, from the November sky. Turn light on my eyes. I sent email. Sorry. I can't talk tomorrow or Friday. We'll try one fine day. Our love melts like the June snow. I'll dry your voice. Press it like a ginkgo lift. Tuck it in my suitcase. Yeah, it's a beautiful poem. I just love that. Like June snow. From the war still within. Um, yeah, let's do one one last poem. Ooh, so um, there's a choice. Mother tongue or waiting? Hmm. Probably, well, I don't know. It's up to you. I, I like them both. What do you think? I'll give you a choice. <laughs> okay, let's go waiting. 
Okay, thank you. Um, the it, waiting. So talking about the mythology. So like, um, I just wanted to show you something. It's like twenty-one days in Korean. It's called Dangun mythology. So Dangun was the uh, build Korea, and then how they the Dangun become a uh, build Korea. There was the bear and tiger, hmm. and the god came, and the bear and tiger said. We want to be a human, and then the god said, "Okay, I'm gonna give you garlic and bitten wood. You go um, and then stay there hundred days, and then I'll make I'll make you human." So tiger couldn't stay, and then bear stay, and then she became a woman and married to God, and then had a son named Istanbul. <laughs> so that's how Korea. Again, waiting. When I think of you, rain comes. When I call you, you come in rain. When I touch you, you disappear in rain. Bring me a raw garlic and handful of a bitter green warm wood. I will eat them and stay in a cave. Twenty-one days, one hundred days. That's how bear became woman. I will do the same. If I can see you one last time, there's another myth. When you fold one thousand paper cranes, your dream comes true. If I can see you one last time, I'll fold thousands, ten thousand paper cranes. I want to open your apartment door again, with the key that you sent by mail. The key. Still warm from your hand, I want to hang my clothes in your closet. Between your clothes, I want to feel safe there again. Waiting for you is nothing. Without blinking, I watch. The night became silver rain in blue light. I will wait for you, like a rock on the waterline. Wishing you to be a wave and reach me. If you touch, I will collapse and be water like you. Yeah, that was waiting from uh, the war still within. Atanya, thanks so much for being a guest tonight. Just, I, I love your poems. I love this book. I hope everybody picks up a copy. And um, it's just great to see you again. Um, thanks so much for being a guest. Thank you so much. And um, if you don't mind, like, would you like to share that where I'm gonna be next? Yeah, yeah, sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Um, what did you give me a? Um... I gave you a flyer on the. Um, that would be a great conversation with the three generation Asian women. It's like the May is also um, Asian Pacific. Um, you know. So this is Cultivating Voices, Live Poetry Presents, a witness conversation in poetry with three, eight, three generations of Asian American poets. Um, Tani Kohong is one of them. And you can find that Sunday, May 16th at noon Pacific. Um, and where, where can we find it? I'm, um, I don't see the link. How can people get to that? Oh, can I send you a link later? Maybe we could put it under my... Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes if you add a link. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so email it to me. Oh, and thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And um, and let me show this too, because you gave... This is a great idea. <laughs> you gave a thank you card um, at the end of your... Um, 
um, PDF that you sent me with those poems. And so you can find, yes. I can put this up on screen. Uh, you can find Tanya's book at Amazon. Uh, Facebook, it's Tanya Kohong. That's uh, T-A-N-Y-A-K-O-H-O-N-G. Uh, Instagram, everything is uh, Tiny Kohong. Instagram, Tiny Kohong. Twitter, Tiny Kohong. YouTube, Tiny Kohong. <laughs> and uh, Tanya's email is right there, too. So Tanya is very available um, for all of your uh, social media and, and poetry needs. So um, please do get in touch with Tanya and, and order this book, I hope. Well, thank you so much. And then I hope to see you soon, Kim. Yeah, I hope so, in too. In person. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Are you coming back to L.A.? Um, or are you going to stick yeah, in Manhattan? Of yeah, of course. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully we'll see you soon. Mm, <laughs> I hope to see your kids, too. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. Uh, bye, Tanya. Have a good night. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Yes, it was Tanya Kohong with, uh, once again, her book, uh, The War Still Within. Here. The War Still Within. Uh, poems of the Korean diaspora, and uh, you can find it by at uh, Kiso or I don't know if that's how to say K Y S O Flash is the publisher, and uh, and the best link I guess is Amazon. So so find that there. I'm um, just a wonderful book and a wonderful poet, wonderful person. So glad we could have her today. Uh, now we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to go to the open lines. Um, so we have a prompt poem. We have um, anything you want to share. You're free to share if you have a poem you've published recently. Let me show you how it's done before I go. Uh, we'll put this up on the screen. We'll drop that. So how you do it, if you um, would like to share a poem, uh, email it to openmic at rattle.com right now. Just make sure I have it in time that I can show it on the screen like I was showing Tanya's poems earlier. Um, and then you have a choice. If you'd like to appear on video, you can send a, a message to a chat message to Skype at Rattle Poetry, all one word. If you'd just like to call in, though, the number is 818-850-7727. That's 818-850-7727. Just call, let it ring a few times, then hang up. That'll put you on my call list. If you prefer Skype and do a video call, um, just send me a chat message. Say hi. I'll wave back if you haven't been on before, and I'll call you. That'll put you on my call list. And... Um, so the prompt for this week, for those of you who are participating in the prompt, the prompt was to write an ekphrastic poem after one of the ten cards from, the, from Herman Rorschach's original 1921 inkblot test. And you could find them at Wikipedia, the Rorschach test. There's ten inkblots. Uh, the challenge this week was to write a poem based on those Rorschach test or inkblot test images. And... Uh, so if we'll get to that in the open lines in just a minute. Uh, I'll put this up uh, next week's show while we take a brief break and get everything set up. Next week, we're going to have Michael Mark as the guest poet. Um, Michael Mark was, of course, interviewed in Rattle number 71. Um, he's probably the best poet I know who has never published a book. So it's the first poet we've had on the Rattlecast. He's published hundreds of poems in, in big journals. Um, just a wonderful poet, but he's never put out a book. We talked about it in the... Uh, in the interview and um so i don't know so we're gonna try out a poet who uh who doesn't have a book to promote but we'll be reading a lot of great poems from michael mark and talking to him following up on any questions you might have from his interview in rattle number 71 and that'll be next week tuesday may 11th 9 p.m eastern time now i'm gonna take a quick break uh just stretch out and uh refresh your drinks and all that stuff and i'll see you just in a minute get all these uh, open line poems set up
And I'm back. Thanks so much for your patience. We got a whole bunch of people uh, lined up for the open mic portion of the show. Um, now, before we do that, let me share with you uh, my response to the prompt poem. Megan didn't have one this week. She's uh, under the weather. I don't know if you noticed. I've had a cold the last uh, couple couple episodes or couple things, couple live streams, and I gave that to, to Megan. So Megan had it too, and she didn't write one this week. Uh, she'll be back next week with a great poem, though. My Rorschach poems, I try to do a, um, a series of Tonka, one little Tonka after each one. And I try to do it really spontaneously, having no idea, you know, like not planning ahead, kind of like in Paul Nelson's postcard poem strategy, where I just looked, wrote what popped into my head, and tried not to edit it at all. Actually, I didn't edit it at all. And um, so there's 10 of these, and this is what, what I came up with. I'll show you here. Um, we'll read these really quick, and then we'll get to the open lines. Oops, I'm going to get rid of that. Okay, so um, this is the, the first card. The dull knives of the elephant's eyes at the zoo, almost looking wild, almost looking at you. It's the first one. Even the gnomes in the empty winter garden have a secret handshake. Two ants cooking dinner share the news, stirring the pot, stirring the pot. The weight of the shadow looms overhead, both feet coming down. That was card four. God, there's a lot of these. <laughs> Sorry. Here, uh, slinking away the rabbit wings of an angel moth, afraid of the light. Card six, radio tower struck by lightning, Jesus the gospel mute. Oops, I got the wrong one in there. Uh, like two rabbits tied at the hip and hopping hardly anywhere. Card eight, a raccoon dug through the trash last night and found your flag useful. And finally, card 10. A great stag leaping through the fog, so sure it is of its greatness. Oh, that's card 9. A great stag leaping through the fog, so sure it is of its greatness. And here's card 10. What magic must the birds bear, fireworks painting the sky? So those are the 10, and if you're watching the uh, stream instead of just listening, that will show you at least 9 of the 10 cards. Maybe let me uh, let me get the right card for that so you can all see the cards, and I could pull them up. That was my plan. I could pull them up um, as people want to take a look at them. Let's see. Oh, I can't do that yet. Uh, this Well, I'll show it here. This is the uh, this is the card eight that I missed, the two rabbits. Okay, so that are the, uh, those are the 10 Rorschach cards. And uh, let's see what you have uh, in response to that or anything else you'd like to share. We have a 509 number. We have uh, Susan Talley, Carla Schwartz, Mike Bales, Brennan Kamarinsky, Spartacus and Agnostris, uh, Richard Westheimer, Nivita Karthik, Brent Stauffer, Gordon Coppola, uh, Jerry Stephenson, Angela Gartner. Um, so we got a, a 
long list of open mic poets. Um, I will call the, the, the first-time caller who is at the uh, 509 number second. I want to let you know I'm calling you from the future. It's a little confusing because uh, there's a delay on the audio. So you won't um, be able to, um, you know, it'll be confusing. There'll be a 30-second delay, and then you'll be, like, talking to two Tims at once. So make sure that when I call you, you mute your uh, live stream. And that way, you won't be confused. Okay, so let's call up the first poet we had in line. And it was Angela Gardner. We haven't had Angela on in a while. Let's see how Angela's doing today. Hey, Angela, how you doing today? No problem. If you were calling me for, you were explaining about calling me from the future. So. That's, that's why I always do a, a veteran first, and then we'll do the first on <laughs> caller second. And you are a pro. So what do you have to share for with us today? Well, I did the the card three, mm-hmm. the two humans. Yeah. Um, I just thought of, um, I'm a Gemini, so it just kind of reminded me of of that and, and a twin. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what... Um, I did, and I loved all yours. So very interesting <laughs> to look and see what yeah, those were you weird. Did. And it, it took it took longer than I anticipated. <laughs> so sorry for everybody at home. But uh, okay, let's let's hear. This is my twin after card three. I think you said. Yep. Okay. My twin, a mom who knows all the swear words but doesn't curse at her kids. Her perfect square sandwiches and the stamped out fruit stars while leaving notes with faces full of smiles. The broken, the, I'm sorry, the block is broken in her mind. Her written story pressed and ready even before the typing begins steadily. Books all read, eight hours of sleep, two mile run, and the pot roast dinner on the table is done. Everyone's friend and the perfect woman, her one flaw, She's only in my imagination. Oh, I love that. I love the ending. And I'm a Gemini too, so I hear you. I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I need I need to be like my better half that doesn't exist. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well thanks so much for sharing that. My twin by Angela Gardner. Thanks, Angela. Good to see you. Good to see you. Have a great night. Yep, Thank you. You too. Bye. Okay, so that was Angela Gardner. Uh let's call up this uh mystery five oh nine number. Let me f- okay. Let's call up a 509 and see who that is. Looking for uh, mystery names on the... Maybe Desiree Hendrickson. Hello. Hey, this is Tim with Rattle, and you are live on the air. Did you want to share a poem? Yes. Um, yes. I I did the the ninth um, Rorschach test. And, and who are you? Uh, who am I talking to? I should ask first. Oh, my, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my name is Desiree Hendrickson. Oh, great. Um, okay. I'm a I'm a friend of Tanya's. She actually um, recommended me to come on the open mic tonight. Oh wow! And so and so you even did the prompt, even though you're a first time you know first time viewer. Yeah, I, yeah, I did it last night because I didn't realize that there was a prompt. Um, I I realized I could have done something else, but I figured <laughs> I'd try and go with the flow of everything yeah sounds good okay so let me uh i'll put up nine on the screen for everybody at home really quick which one it's the one you did the stag for yeah here's nine so i'll put it i'll show everybody really quick this was the nine okay and so uh go ahead whenever you are ready okay nine the seed the flower the decay the lines of her body change Chaos, fear, excitement, wonder, such a small number for life. The beginning of a spiral, 
the soul slowly binding itself until a burst of light binds the ethereal to the material. Lines forever changing, gravity fighting to pull her down, her soul keeping her body in the clouds, spinning, dancing, the great production, a portal to the dimension of souls, soothing the pains of the transition. Then slowly, the soul unravels itself, leaving with a sigh and a smile when the ethereal leaves the material. Excellent poem. Thanks so much for sharing that, Desiree. And uh, if you want to call in any other time and uh, share a different poem, uh, you know the open lines are open, so you're always welcome, and, and it's an open invitation. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having space for me. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Good, good to meet you. And uh, let me add you to the uh, phone book really quick, too. Have a good uh, rest of the night, Desiree. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It was uh, Desiree Hendrickson. Let me add Desiree to our phone book so we know who it is next time. Let's see. Who should we call next? Let's call next. Let's call up uh, Gordon Coppola. So the phone's ringing for Gordon right now. Hey, Gordon. Good to see you. How are you doing tonight? Tim, I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Let me uh, get you going on the screen there. Yeah. Where are you? Because I, you know, it's dark here. I'm on the West Coast, so it can't be. Uh, where are you? I'm, I'm in Bremerton, Washington. Uh, you can take a ferry from Bremerton to Seattle. Ah, and so it's that much brighter there. Interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess because you're higher uh, in uh, latitude. We are. Yep. Um, and you're a little bit farther west, too, actually, because the, the coast juts out. Um, so what did you want to share? What do you have for us today? Well, originally I thought, you know what would happen if you took uh, uh, two of the cars, cut them in half, and put them together, and I thought I would react to that. But then I came up with another idea, went over to Rhyme Zone, and decided to go crazy with cultural references. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So, so this is called Rorschach a la carte. Okay, here we go. It's ready. Do you mind if I react, Dr. Rorschach, to the left half of Inkblot 4, front to back with the right half of 9? Don't talk smack. Let's give it a whack, you quack. Don't attack me for taking charge of my mental health, jack-off. I'll dunk on you like Shaq. Pretentious plaque on your mantle, Doc. Let's begin. I see the Zodiac Killer making love with dear Arnold Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. Here's an Amtrak rider with a knapsack, a crack megalomaniac. He's about to hijack the train when Ms. Amnesiac gives him a thwack with her compact blackjack. Then her face goes slack. She purchases a snack and kicks back with a Danielle Steele paperback. This blotto ink smack is a panic attack almanac. For crazy people, maybe. Not for me. A cognac and a snifter by the fire. Rewatching Caddyshack will keep my mind on track. You are a hack, Rorschach. Check Twitter for my feedback. <laughs> that was excellent, Gordon. Thanks so much for sharing that. A fun, fun, funny poem. Thanks, Gordon. My pleasure. Thanks, Tim. See yeah. you later. Yeah, but it was uh, yeah, Gordon Coppola with uh, Rorschach a la carte. Thanks, Gordon, for that. Um, let's see. Next up, let us call. Who is next in line? Jerry Stephenson. Club Jerry. Hey, Jerry, I'm going to meet you for a second because I heard myself in the background briefly. Turn that off. Excellent. Thanks, Jerry. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm farther north than your last guest. Oh, oh, that's right. You're in like Calgary or something, right? No, I'm on Gabriola Island ah. off the west coast of Vancouver. 
Interesting. Okay. Floating around in the Salish Sea. Matter of fact, and we're Canadian, of course, up here. And in our backyard, we have a 12 foot palm tree. Shh. Oh, Don't wow. tell everybody. Do you have the only palm tree <laughs> out there? No, there's a few of them around here, but <laughs> I, I love it. I always put it in my Christmas cards. <laughs> so, uh, so, what do you want to share with us today? Okay, what happened to me was I was sitting in my studio getting ready to write for the thing. I wanted to do the, I wanted to try your challenge, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like your challenge. I think you know that. And my, my familiar grabbed me and said, hey, you're working on this other piece on Abbasith. Do your work, then do that one. You've got lots of time, right? Mm-hmm. Of course I do. So the, he led me down this rabbit hole, and along came on Abbasith a painting I just absolutely love, Danson Cafe. Hmm. And it's by, uh, uh, what's his name, Dega? Uh-huh, and yeah. also uh, Monet did one. And they're based on Abbasith, the drink that got banned in France for 99 years. Interesting. Okay. And uh, the, the poet, uh, painter actually cut an ear off because of this. So the story goes. But here's my story. It's called Dancing Cafe and the Dance of the Green Fairy. The Green Fairy is what Abbasith, the drink, is called in higher circles than the ones I usually crowded. <laughs> okay, here we are. Absently minded, I stutter assembling this troublesome glass. Errant spoon ridicules cube of sugar. Now to shower them with ice-filled water? Stop. That's how it's prepared, okay? This opaque, white, mind-expanding drop tingles my Van Gogh ear. Picasso's every angle echoes Ernest's lament. A frastic poem now eats its own art. Evaporated too by Swiss bootleggers to start, grabbing the artistic heart, we're sharing its attack. What once began cannot return, never go back. Dega, C, 10, H16, Zero. Science speak for wormwood. That's what's the root of this. Your gal from Korea mentioned wormwood in her mm-hmm. thing, too. Interesting. That's the root of the beverage, but he holds my many impressions on my many wandering brain. Very interesting. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Have you ever had absinthe? Once. I did. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I got, I mean, it was um, it was weird. <laughs> it was the only time I got blackout <laughs> drunk in my life. I had no <laughs> idea it was coming. And uh, before I blacked out, there were like things, like I was hallucinating. I don't know, man. That absinthe is a serious stuff. It is. A friend of mine did it. We were out for dinner with him there this was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So let's have a, buy one of these things here. We'll take one, have a drink. And we did. And I didn't get blackout drunk, but I tell you what, I have never dreamt like that in my life. Yeah, like it was like I was walking through a dream, and then I don't remember what <laughs> happened at the end of the dream. That is like it was uh, it was oh. in college. Somebody came back from Germany and smuggled it back, and so we drank. Probably we just probably drank too much without realizing how strong it was. Well, that's but. well, that's the whole thing. And the way it's prepared, there's this thing you put the spoon. We have an absinthe spoon, and what it looks like it here, and they usually have a fairy carved in them. That's why they call it the green. Ah. It's you know, it's 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 a cultural thing. But I was doing something to do with the, like opi, the opioid problems and all this other stuff in that. Mm-hmm. But so many famous artists, painters, and writing. Ernest Hemingway really had a thing for it. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What can I say? <laughs> right, well, thanks for sharing that. That was a lot of fun. You're, good, good poem. You're very welcome, Tim. Thank you so much. I enjoy your show immensely. Really like the girl tonight too. That was brilliant. Yeah, she was great. When she thanks so much. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye bye. Right. That was Jerry Stephenson with uh, Danson Cafe and the Dance of the Green Fairy. Uh, let's call up next. Let's go to um, let's go to Nivi over in India before she starts her work day. Hi. Hey, Nivedita, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing great, thank you. How about you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, and uh, what do you want to share with us? I'm a prompt one. So I was stuck between two cards, and then it was between nine and ten. And I finally chose to write up about card nine <laughs> instead of card ten. Yeah, did you read uh, about what each card is supposed to mean? I did read what each card was supposed to mean, mm -hmm. but then most of those didn't look like that to me. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> Especially the thing. card 10. I mean, like, card 10 to me actually looked like the Eiffel Tower, the, the top <laughs> part of it. It didn't resemble any animal skin drug or anything that's yeah, to me. Yeah, I specifically, like, wrote and, like, had a reaction before I looked at what they were supposed to mean, and I could not believe how, like, wrong. I, I don't know if that means um, I have mental I... problems or, <laughs> or what. <laughs> Um, I think I'd like to say that what most people see when they look at the cards is sort of depressing and pessimistic. Mm -hmm. So I think we can give ourselves a pat on the back. Oh, we don't sort of <laughs> equate it with bats and moths and butterflies and frogs and lizards and everything that's just dank and depressing. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of not so depressing. So. Excellent. Well, let's hear This is a phoenix rises from the ashes. Definitely a non-depressing non interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> a phoenix rises from the ashes. The troubles of yesterday fade away like the pink glimmer on the horizon, like the silver diamonds twinkling in the sky. The new day dawns, rising from the ashes of yesterday's remains, darkness giving way to brightness. A new you awakens, made stronger by the troubles of yesterday and the hopes and wishes for today. The new you rises up, victorious from the ashes of sleep and greets the new dawn. The dawn that has also just risen from the dusky black ashes of the night, relighting themselves to shine brightly on today. Weary as we are of getting burnt, we still face the flames, knowing now the secret it holds, having been scorched twice too many and rising up from the ashes stronger than ever before. Excellent. Very uh, good, good message to you in that poem. Thanks so much for sharing that, Nivy. That we could definitely you, rise up from the ashes ourselves. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tim. Have a lovely evening. Yep, have a, good, have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Nivity to Karthik with A Phoenix Rises from the Ashes after card nine. Um, let's go next to, who is next in line? Brent. Our buddy Brent, let's see what Brent has. So, so far it's all, uh, all Rorschach poems. Good evening, Brent. How are you today? Hey, Tim. How's it going? It is going I was, great. I, I was, yeah, it is. It's been, it's been a really fun night. Really, a lot of a lot of good stuff. I was I was in the middle of uh, typing something to Nevi, but I guess I can do that when I when I'm done. <laughs> or, you could, or you could say it now. <laughs> oh, I, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I just thought her poem was delightful. It was. And, yeah, it definitely and, was. And and I could I can see from the image how she, she might get something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so which one you wrote about Inkblot Four? Oh. Yeah, I did. And, um, I, you know, honestly, I don't know if I would have, um, necessarily associated that ink blot with a father figure, mm -hmm. but I did read some of the stuff and they said, this is often, this is actually called the father card or something. And once I, once that was in my brain, I was like, it makes a lot of sense. And so I just went with it. You know, I figured it's an appropriately Freudian response to the test. <laughs> okay, well, let's hear it. This is a Rorschach Inkblot 4. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Father of smoke and ash. 
father of mysterious dark impulses billowing within the weather system of his towering body. Father of thunderclouds swirling out of his pipe to hang above the dinner table like a silent, attentive jury. Father of sex and death. Father of a daughter who is probably still somewhere in this world. Father of night fog rising from the black water of the sleeping marina. Excellent. A little uh, little Ginsberg channeling there in the repetition, it felt like. Yeah, yeah, abso- absolutely. Yeah, a little incantation. Yeah, excellent. Thanks perhaps. so much for sharing yeah. that, Brent. All right, thank you so much, Tim. Yep. I appreciate you. Yep, have, have a good, good one. You too. Right. Brent Stauffer with a poem after number four. And we're just going to keep cruising through the open lines, try to get to uh, as many people as possible. I do have some other stuff I was going to share, but I think maybe uh, we'll just get to everybody. Let's do uh, Richard Westheimer next. Hey, Richard, how are you doing today? Tim, I'm doing great. We had a lovely rainy day here. So. Oh, see, don't say rain. I get jealous. It, it, you know, yeah, sorry. I, it's I probably not going to rain. You know, And actually, the fires are starting already, which is just... I bred in San Diego. Oh, yeah, well, right down the street, right in the... <laughs> on the oh. You know? oh, man. It's way too early for that. I, right, the, we've been here 10 years. The earliest it's been was June, I know, June 22nd. And uh, I don't know. Having them yeah. in May is crazy. Yeah, I was actually... I was thinking about that this morning. It was humid for the first time this summer and i was mm-hmm. thinking what my friends in california would give for a humid day it'd be nice it really would yeah <laughs> anyway uh, yeah, so which one did you write about i wrote about well i don't know what number it is but it's on my poem so mm-hmm. folks can see it yeah i'll put it up okay yeah, i think that's three maybe two three it's three <laughs> it's pretty early on i got stuck on it so <laughs> it's called the bearing of a butterfly Spot of blood at 20 weeks, a stain, a gathering pain, a quickening kick, then none, a labor of love bleeding free of me. They called it a miscarriage, but I now see it was the bearing of a butterfly, its trembling wings, brushing blush, rose petal dust in the darkness. Ooh, that was a good one. The bearing of a butterfly. Powerful stuff. Yeah. And great. And, and you know, I can definitely see that in the image too. Strong. Yeah. Poem. I Thanks, just, Richard. it like brought tears to my eyes as soon as I saw it, remembering a young friend of ours who just mm-hmm. had a miscarriage. Yeah. 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 Good, good poem, Richard. Thanks for sharing it. Thanks. So, uh, Richard Westheimer with The Bearing of a Butterfly. Next up, we will do, let's call up uh, Spartacus. And Agnostris, see what uh, Spartacus did this week. He went after number five. Oh, yeah. Hey, Spartacus, how you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Tim. Yeah, um, so what do you have for us? So I did the prompt poem, and I did about card five. Excellent. Let me put up card five. This one, uh, have you ever seen the movie Mothman? Or or, are you familiar with the myth of Mothman? I haven't, no, <laughs> I'm afraid. But I, I relate, I'm trying to associate it with the myth of uh, Sphinx. I ah. don't know if you remember about the riddle that uh, it used to uh, give to people. So what goes on four feet in the morning, two feet at noon, and three feet in the evening? Oh. And was human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, excellent. So, uh, so let's hear your poem. Your poem was um, 
how to unfold a human soul. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'll have it up. How to unfold a human soul. You unfold the map and you search for a maze in a mirror image of an obscure mass. You can feel the weightless smoke of the ink of the author trying to create new worlds. You can see different things in the same dark image of absent words. What might this be? You ask yourself before changing into the frightening things. Your eyes absorb riddles, trying to find the answer in a silent puzzle of illusions. You see a moth in the morning. You see a butterfly in the noon. You see a bat in the evening. Metamorphosis of time. You can hear your breath. It is not in the image. You can imagine your soul when you close your eyes. You know that it's not the form that is important in art. The space that the creator didn't use will let you create your own image. Oh, great poem as always, Spartacus. And I love that uh, Metamorphosis of Time stands in particular. Thanks so much for sharing that. Thank you very much, uh, Tim, and have a lovely uh, evening. <laughs> you too. Good night. Yeah. That was Spartacus and Agnostris with uh, How to Unfold a Human Soul. Next up, we shall call Brenda Komarinsky. So she did nine like Nivy too. Hey, Brenda, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And you have a poem about card nine. That, card nine, yes. Is there it anything seems to be wanna... a popular card. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I, that, that, I think it's it's got the most, like, stimulating visual or something. I can yeah. see a lot of different things in there. Is there anything you want to say about it before you read it? No, I'll, I'll just read it. Okay. Um, card nine. You ask me what it is, and I know it is just ink on a page, nothing more. It is a uterus cradled by hips and draining blood, the monthly cleansing of the vessel of life, a pouring out of the excess. I say, holding the shoes long since outgrown, my baby gushes into womanhood. My body knows how to let go, a thing my heart will never learn. Excellent. And there's the the image card nine again. Uh, Brenda Kamarinsky, thanks so much for sharing that. Great poem. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. Let's call up Mike Bales. <clears throat> hey, Mike, how you doing tonight? Pretty good. Nice hearing you. I've tried to call. Um, you mentioned we could do published poems. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I, I kind of want to remind people frequently that you can, if you publish a poem, you could link, send me a link to where it is online. You could just share it with me. Tell me where it's published. We'll talk about the magazine. It's good stuff. So anything you want to share, um, including published poems, yeah. Sure, there are a few things. Um the Midwest Writing Center out of Rock Island, right by Davenport, mm-hmm. they had a thing where you'd submit poems. And these poems are posted in a wall of a coffee shop in Moline that was called Dead Poets Espresso. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And this was also in the Rockford Review, winter, spring issue 2011. And it's in a book of mine that came out last fall. It's called With Suitcase and Bag. Ah, cool. This this poem is called Poems in a Coffee Shop. 
Okay, go ahead. Have the it taste up. of a special blend. The taste of a special blend tickles my tongue as someone sits across the table. She takes a muffler from her slender neck that leaves on her coat. I take a sip of the steaming brew while looking at the pink ribbon she wears on her coat zipper. We talk about weather and fortunes to start the conversation. She twists strands of her reddish hair and stirs her coffee. She asks me to read a poem and I comply. When I nod, she reads one of her own and I savor every word while listening for what is unsaid. Time passes unknowingly as we look into the context of our lives. When I ask her about a ribbon, she says she comes to this world as a gift, and I believe her. Oh, I love that ending. Uh, as Poems in a Coffee Shop uh, by Mike Bales from With Suitcase and Bag. Thanks for calling in and sharing that, Mike. Yeah, thanks for letting me read. Yeah, always, always a pleasure. Anytime. Okay, thanks. All right, bye. Bye. Yeah, it's Mike Bales. Next up, it looks like we have... Uh, Carla Schwartz and Susan Talley, probably the last two that we'll get to tonight. Um, let me see. Okay, here, let me read, uh, I'll read Carlton Schwartz really, or Carlton Johnson's really quick. And then we'll get to Carla Schwartz and, uh, Susan Talley. So here's Carlton Johnson's poem. This is after number five. Let me, let me pull up five, too. Oh, five was again, this is the one that, uh, um, Spartacus wrote about right here. That is number five. The Mothman, as I think of it, but <laughs> uh, who knows what, what other people think of it. Let's see what uh, Carlton Johnson thought of that poem. Here we go. Warshock Blot, number five. On dreams of tomorrow, flap your black velvet wings. Oscillate back and forth on a night's breeze. Are you a moth flitting to and fro my solitary lamp? Or perhaps a bat, flying mouse, echolocating bugs and skeeters, a meal, a morsel. Or then again, a pterodactyl hovering my prehistoric past back before there was rhyme or reason, breath or even flight, to carry me beyond the confines of ground and sound, echoing outside the walls of my heart. Love the sounds in that. Thanks so much for sharing that. It was Carlton Johnson with a poem after number five. Let's call up Carla Schwartz next. And I know there's somebody. <clears throat> I saw somebody ask me. Uh, they gave me a phone number. Hey, Carla. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. <laughs> so I'm better than I have been in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I healing up from that, uh, from that. From my surgery, yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. That's great to and, hear. Um, I have I have two videos. My last two videos on my CB99 videos channel uh-huh. are um, how to get down to the floor and stand up on one leg after knee surgery, oh, yeah. and uh, and um, how to get out of a kayak after knee surgery. Oh wow, that that's so, one I gotta have to go watch. <laughs> so you have to go watch those. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But um, but anyway, so this one I chose card number two. Mm-hmm which I guess nobody else chose, but to me it was the obvious one to write about. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. This is the one, and you have a picture of it, so uh, we can share. We yes, can show I it. do. I do. Yeah, that yeah. was the one that I thought of as, as gnomes, but well, let's see what you what right. you interpreted it as. Okay. My uh, Rorschach card to the cat in the hat met his mate. When the cat in the hat met his mate, he knew at once 
She was his fate. They sat at the table, jam to jam, paw to paw, face to face. Together they stood, each on two legs, and pressed like that, began to dance. Oh, I see it. I see it. That's excellent. Thanks, Carla. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so glad you're feeling better, too. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And take care. It was a great night so far. Yep. You too. Good night. Okay, it was Carla Schwartz with a, a poem after card two, The Cat in the Hat Met His Mate. And uh, next up was Susan Talley. Hey, Susan, you're live on the air. How are you doing today? Oh, I hear myself. I'm good, so, thank you. Yeah, cut off that in the background because I hear myself, and then we'll, I'll unmute you. I wanted to say that I love the ecratic writer, and I brought, bought the book. Oh, great. And I feel really connected to the uh, idea of sinister. Mm-hmm. And I thought these cards were a lot of fun, and I read about the raw shock test, and it was never designed to be a diagnostic tool, that it was really all about how the mind works and perception. Yeah, it was really fascinating reading about that. And, um, and that, I didn't know he died a year after he invented it and never had any idea that it was popular whatsoever, and it's used in a way he didn't intend. Um, and, and really it feels like... Um, like the the imaginative part isn't necessarily the people interpreting the pictures; it's the psychologists interpreting the people interpreting the pictures. Where yeah, and I really resented that they assigned images, and I kept doing other, other, other. <laughs> um, but, okay, so um, yeah, so you did tile okay, number ten. I, yeah, I, I can really. I'd like to do a whole study on it. Okay, it's really number three, though. I made a mistake. Oh, really? let me show number three for everybody. Thank you. Oh, three was the um, was the what did we add? Uh, here we go. This was three, whatever that is. Let's see, uh, let's see what you did with it. Okay. What was a bongo for one is now a drum for two musicians. Listen to their heart's connection. Feel the pulse flow down their elbows. Watch their wrists align, lean into rhythm. Shower their performance with red flowers. Oh, another great ending. Shower their performance with red flowers. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing it. Thank you. Yep, good night. That was Susan Talley with uh, the the two music makers from tile number three, actually. Um, okay. Oh, we got a bunch of them. Oh, so uh, this is Vicky Miko's. And uh, I'm not sure if Vicky would want me to call her right now. Let's see. I think I think I saw Vicky, so I'm just going to call Vicky up. Hi. Hi, Tim. Hey, Vicky. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to call or not, but I have your poems here if you want to read and share them. Hi. Um, I am way behind for oh, some reason. I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really delayed this time. So <laughs> yeah. anyways, a great night. Um, I had the same vision as you with the uh, gnomes on number two. Mm-hmm. So I've got Heiku for each one. Okay, great. And uh, yeah, so you have 10. Um, how do you say Senryu. Senryu? Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's how I say it. Senryu. Yeah, it's kind of a cousin to Heiku and also Tanka. Mm-hmm. Um, Senryu is more um, for the human nature and um, funny and satirical and ironic. Stuff. Yeah, it's just one of those words that I never hear anyone say, so I don't know how to, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, 
Okay, so, so go ahead. I have it. So up for there's you. yeah. Oh, okay. There's only one he- there's only one Heiku in here. The rest of them are are uh, Senryu. Ah, okay. So here we got Inkblot Senryu number one. Aesop revisited a sheep in wolf's clothing. Night shift. The garden gnomes changing of the guard. Puppy love. The schnauzer dangles her earrings. New tricycle. The wannabe biker too big for his boots. Blind date. Phantom of the opera glasses. South Beach diet. Santa's garb droops on the valet. Jump rope duet, their ponytails in centripetal swing. And um, office clown, the Olympic skier wearing platypus earmuffs. And surf swell, a seahorse curls into its love mate. That's the Heiku one. Uh, it's about nature. And the last one, her bumper harvest blue ribbon accepted by a rabbit. Uh-huh. Excellent. I these love were so music. interesting to hear everybody's poems about, about these um, <laughs> it, it, ink blots. Yeah, it really was because we're all you know doing the same things. The one that I love the most that you, that you did was this um, uh, new tricycle, the wannabe biker, too big for his boots. I, oh, that is God, so, that, I will never see this uh, this picture again <laughs> any other way. That is so perfect. Look, it does look like uh, somebody on a bicycle. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. To me, it does. Yeah, it really does. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling and sharing those, Vicky. They're great. Great night. Yep. Thanks, night. Tim. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. That was Vicky Miko. Um, okay, so we are pretty much up on time. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dig through for more uh, more callers, even though we have a bunch of people who sent poems in still. Uh, but but we'll save them for later. I think I'm looking through. I'm looking through here. Let me do uh let me do this one. Linda Linda Gowen wrote one just for the Rorschach and um she's uh, she's not here in the call list. But but since we're we're doing all those poems, let me get this in quick. Then I'm going to sh- play or read a poem from uh, Michael Mark and then that'll be it for the show. But this is uh this is Linda Gowen uh, subjected to Rorschach. And here we go. Subjected to Rorschach. I was sick with envy. When I first studied Rorschach's works, me, a budding artist, runaway, 13, filled with so much blood, bearing my fangs. A bear of a man granted permission to interpret whatever I wanted through the ink. A bat, two humans, an animal hide marked with drops of death, perhaps. All dark except the last three. A trio of rainbows meaning what? Not a cat, not a dog, not an alien, not a fish. I saw the last card as a path to Terra, a fantasy plantation that offered an antebellum shelter before the war between my mother and me, before she pillaged everything I thought I owned. See the willowy trees, the hands holding flowers, the sturdy road where someone spilled life's milk. See how she took it all, the white space, the emptiness, the worms. Ah, oh, that's a great poem, Linda Gowen. I think she's the first, uh, I mean, I don't know if the speaker is Lennon's based on a real experience. But the first uh, person who possibly um, took the Rorschach test was given it. Um, really interesting to hear. And um, 
Very cool. And another interesting thing reading about this, uh, I had no idea how much of a controversy it was when Wikipedia posted the images for the first time. This was only 2009. And a lot of uh, psychologists were very upset, apparently, that um, it was made public because it sort of ruins the test if you see them. And um, so that was interesting. Uh, but let's do a, uh, let's share, let's do a poem by Michael Mark, next week's guest, before we go. And I accidentally X'd out of my window, so now i got to find a new one. Um, let's do... I mean, he's been in Poetry Spawned a whole bunch of times. He's uh, just a great poet. I met Michael Mark um, at the Wrightwood Literary Festival. And uh, just a great, great person to know. Let's do, uh, let's, let, let's listen to him read uh, the roly-poly bodhisattva to close out the show tonight. Uh, here he is. This is Michael Mark, next week's guest with uh, roly-poly bodhisattva. Roly-poly bodhisattva. I have gained 62 pounds since being with my enlightened master. I eat nothing but high-caloric food. Of course, no meat, no chicken or fish, nothing that has a mother. I know my guru loves me, but he hates fat people. He is disgusted by his ignorance, and he suffers terribly. I love my guru. So we have traveled to France to look at the Brenois. He says he sees the beauty, but ultimately these women are too large. We have moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, where more overweight people live than anywhere in the United States. Each morning I offer the Buddha oranges and my guru ice cream cake and soft cheeses. We adopted a lame dog who cannot walk so he is quite fat. My guru bows to the dog and carries him everywhere. People always smile and pet the dog. No one says he's fat, I tell my guru. True, he says, but they don't carry him. I am my master's roly-poly bodhisattva, and he is teaching me about restraint, how not to take joy in his struggle, but it is so hard not to laugh when I look in the mirror. And that was Michael Mark with Roly Poly Bodhisattva, one of many of his poems that we've published in Rattle over the years. Um, and, and he's just he's a prolific writer. He's published all over the place. And uh, looking forward to diving into his work more. Uh, it's, just, it's just so much fun to read or hear all of his poems. And uh, that is going to be it for the show tonight. Now, uh, as I mentioned, next week's guest was Michael Mark, and next week's prompt is going to be right here. Next week's prompt. This LitHub article, and there's a link, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, this LitHub article details the 32 most iconic poems in the English language. Read or reread a few, or all of them, if like me, you can't stop yourself because it's so much fun, and write a poem that replies to one of these works. So the link is there. It's at LitHub. If you, if you Google the 32 most iconic poems in the English language, I'm sure it'll come right up. There's 32 of those. Your prompt this week is to read some of them and write a poem that replies to one of those 32 most iconic works. So this is going to be a response uh, to another work. And that is next week's prompt. And as I mentioned, next week's guest is going 
to be Michael Mark. Um, and Michael Mark, of course, has been in uh, round number 71 as the featured interview. So read that issue again if you want to ask any follow-up questions to the stuff we talked about. It was one of those interviews where we went on for like two hours. I had to cram it down. Um, so there are more stories and a lot more interesting stuff um, than just what's in that interview. Um, and that's going to be Rattlecast number 92 with Michael Mark, Tuesday, May 11th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Hope to see you then. And uh, good luck with the prompt poem. Uh, we'll do the critique of the week on Friday. We'll do Poetry Spot on Sunday. So I hope you have a great week, and I will see you soon. Good night.